You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Jamie's log. Progressive. The Harrington's backyard. Day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's backyard to prove Progressive has 24-7 protection has a rip in it. But a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington says she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome into a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante and Major League Baseball cannot hurt me today. Delivered Coach K an L in his final ever home game. At Cameron Indoor Stadium. So again, I am literally impenetrable. You can tell me you're going to cancel the 2022 season for one day only. I do not care. Although I'm going to be right back to being extremely upset tomorrow. We do have some stuff to talk about that's baseball related, though. Although I could obviously do seven hours on one North Carolina victory on Saturday. But to me personally, but I won't because I'm a nice guy. I don't abuse my podcast platform. I talk about what you came here to listen to. So we are going to talk about the lockout, uh, the fact that the New York Yankees are partially responsible for the lockout and that when you hear names like Artie Moreno of the Angels and Mike Illich, uh, Illich's kid, Chris Illich of the Tigers, uh, and you hear that they voted against raising the CBT even to $220 million, we just want you to keep Hal Steinbrenner in mind too because you don't really have the right to make fun of the Angels and Tigers in the way that you might want to. Also, uh, Max Scherzer had the right idea there. Also, we are going to talk about a new suitor in the Rays chase for Freddie Freeman. Why are we now talking about the Rays and and should we be and and what does it mean for the Yankees? Possibly just some validation. We're also going to talk about Bleacher Report taking aim at some of the Yankees' recent trades, calling them failures. Already, we're not sure why anyone thinks that they can make such a premature judgment, but we're happy to judge them right back. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. We'll also be live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, moving forward all off-season long in this eternal off-season. We should already be live for spring training games, but we're not. There's no off-season uh, to speak of, and we are just still stuck in this Monday-Thursday stasis, so keep a watch on that. Um are we going to be doing a, a podcast on Thursday or are we going to be recording one off hours uh, with a special guest? We'll find out later this week. We're actually not positive, but we will <laughs> let you all know. You can, you can maybe see the two 
two o'clock that day, or perhaps on Friday. Um, we actually did get a mailbag question today. I want to, I'll start this. I just, you know, throw a mailbag question out there. Uh, you too could be a part of this podcast. If you send us your mailbag question, chef Josh Resnick, uh, dropped on Stephen Brault as a possible, uh, possible Yankees target. Of course, had a terrible year last year. He's a Pittsburgh pirate. He's a lefty. He's someone who the Yankees have always liked as an innings eater. I know that the Yankees pirates pipeline was very fertile last year. They ended up with Jamison Tyone, uh, on recommendation from Garrett Cole. And it was sort of thought maybe they'll get brawl maybe they'll get chad cool that was another guy that you know the yankees are the yankees love to buy low and the yankees love to buy low on pirates so i would say brawl is not only an option but a favorite to be someone they acquired to cover 100 to 120 innings in the middle of next season thomas carinante welcome to the podcast we'll talk lockout in a bit are we aligned on steven brawl as an option i don't know i don't care is this, it's another guy who's not going to do much of anything, uh, in my opinion. Um, he's had a fair, he's, he debuted in 2016. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. This guy's been in the league since 2016, started off as a 24 year old. He's now entering his age 30 season. I don't know what the Pirates are doing to this guy. Eight games, seven starts his rookie year, 11 games, four starts the year after, 45 games, five starts the year after, 25 games, 19 starts 2019. 11 games, 10 starts in 2020, seven games, seven starts in 2021. He have an injury. Do we, uh, did you mention that? Um, he always does. Yeah. Yeah. Something happened. Yeah. Yeah. 5.86 ERA. Not good. 4.62 FIP. I guess if, you know, it's a little bit lower career 4.67 FIP. Um, I think that this would be something that's worthwhile if they're trying to get spot starts out of somebody, if they're trying to, um, lengthen the rotation in any capacity, um, or apparently he has experience pitching out of the bullpen. So maybe he's another multi-inning guy, a la Michael King, something of that nature. I don't know. Um, not really. This isn't my cup of tea. You know, I don't like talking about this stuff. No. Well, let's move on to the other depressing stuff <laughs> we have to talk about. Uh, they're making the bases bigger. That's huge. Uh, they're probably going to eliminate the shift. Congrats to Joey Gallo, who managed to somehow get his anti-shift take out and get made fun of just one week before everyone agreed to get rid of the shift. Great timing there. If only they had made the rule change a week earlier, no one would have known how much Joey Gallo hated the shift. Instead, everybody knows that we all get to have another let's laugh at the Yankees week. You never put the ball in play anyway. You strike out as if those things are unrelated. Maybe he'd strike out less if there weren't seven outfielders standing in the middle of the outfield and he was trying to hit home runs all the time. But hey, let's get our laughs in. Let's giggle at the New York Yankees. Um, MLB and the Players Association came together on these supposed rule changes for 2023 only problem 2022 still far from a sure thing there is no reason uh over the past week to have gotten any more optimistic other than again these rule changes that they just happen to throw out for next year not this year pitch clock coming to everybody in the minor leagues who's being raised on the pitch clock right now loves that so we assume that's going to be a good thing who knows 2022 the players apparently moved further away from the owners on Sunday. Uh, the first time we ever became aware that the owners even wanted a season was when they leaked and Rosenthal late Sunday night that they were willing to move on the luxury tax as long as the players made some sort of acquiescence to them as well, which is interesting because, again, we were told basically no movement from either direction on that core issue in a way that made it seem like both are just willing to eat this, this entire campaign. The shocking news story of Friday, Thursday night into Friday, was that Obviously, the players are, are trying to propose 238 to be that luxury tax line, getting more owners to spend. 
uh, emphasizing the fact that you know you're, you got another $18 million or so wiggle room before you start getting penalized. You might as well use it on one or two veteran players a piece and try to compete for the seven seed in the playoffs, which is about to be a real thing, considering we're probably going to end up expanding the postseason to 14 teams. That's one of the players' final chips. It's coming. It's coming. Take a deep breath. It's coming. Um, but the owners will not budge on $220 million. Not only will they not budge on $220 million, their offer is $220 million every year. It's a joke. It never goes up. It's it's three years in a row, 220 Uh So the players are saying that's way too low for a starting point. The owners are saying that's not just our starting point. It's also our finishing point. <laughs> <laughs> not good at all but they you know they, they've agreed on 220 as, as their baseline mm-hmm. bad four owners wouldn't even raise it to 220 Ari moreno of the angels chris Sillage of the tigers the diamondbacks loser and uh the guy who owns the reds who i was actually surprised to learn the reds owner is only worth 400 million dollars which you're screaming wow. about all owners and the and their net worths and billionaires versus millionaires which is so reductive but i mean I mean, they are all billionaires, and they all can't afford to spend more, more than they're spending. The Reds guy, maybe not. I mean, that's like Garrett Cole's net worth is higher than that. So, <laughs> I, I, I was actually surprised to learn that the Reds dude has that low, uh, you know, a net worth. But regardless, four guys don't even want to raise it to $220 million. A lot of people started trolling them, laughing at the Tigers' fail son. You know, Mike Gilch was so generous. Now Chris Gilch is there, and, and he doesn't even want to open his pocketbook to $220 mil. Artie Moreno. Uh, you know, how could the Angels owner possibly be doing this to us? Well, it's worth mentioning that Hal Steinbrenner is basically a combination of the two guys, right? He is a yeah. son. He's a son of an owner who bought the Yankees and loved to win and loved nothing more than to win. And he clearly has priorities that aren't winning. And Artie Moreno isn't a non-spender. He was in on the Garrett Cole bidding. He was the, that's the team that finished second to the Yankees. He bought Anthony Rendon that offseason. He signed Shohei Otani. He gave Mike Trout the craziest contract of all time. But there's a reason why that team isn't in the playoffs, and it's because he will not go beyond those big names that he signs. He doesn't supplement the roster. He doesn't get a pitching staff. He certainly doesn't develop pitching. But it's how Steinbrenner disease to a T, right? He is buying big names. Once every two years, he makes a crazy splash. And then, you know, the scouts. Out to the coaches go, can we get two or three more guys to make this playoff team? And he goes, no. Uh, so what say you about all this business um, and and why are we, you know, still stuck where we are right now? Greed. Greed is why we're stuck where we are. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Yankee fans are free to criticize whomever. Um, it is embarrassing that the owner of the Angels in the second largest market um, in the United States is voting against this. And, uh the Illiches, who I believe are worth Mike Illich before his passing um, four or five years ago, was worth over $6 billion. Um, so we're talking about a, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what they're actually worth. Um, and you look at a team like the Angels, and they should be in the conversation every year uh, for contention. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a robust market. They have two of the best players in the sport. I understand Otani didn't really fully come out until this year, but Mike Trout's consistently been there and he has 12 postseason at bats. Um, you're talking about bumping this up $10 million and Artie Moreno, who's worth nearly 4 billion is saying no. Um, and th- there, there is a huge problem with that. It, that it is the definition of greed, um, especially when the angels, I don't think the, I think the angels have once exceeded $185 million payroll. And it was this past season um, when they had obviously Trout under this new crazy extension um, and had Rendon um, and Justin Upton under their under their big deals. 
Um, a lot of bad practices in LA. So um, the fact that he is voting against it should be more of an indictment on the people who he's putting in charge to build around Mike Trout. Um, it is, it is absolutely unacceptable that, um, you know, they're constantly a 500 team with a player of his caliber. I know this is not the NBA where one player makes that big of a difference, but this is where as a billionaire, you have the theoretical face of baseball. There should be more of an opportunity to invest more money around this person. Even if it's going to cost you an extra bucks, uh, a few bucks in the short term, you know, it's going to be worthwhile in the long term. Um, Illich, different boat. I mean, it's not that good of a team. They've went from World Series contenders to perennial bottom feeders for however long it's been now. Um, so I won't be too mad about that. But then the other lens here is we have to hold the Yankees accountable. Um, Hal Steinbrenner has now gone under the luxury tax purpose, purposefully um, three times since 2017. So that's three out of the last five years. Max Scherzer made it a point to call out the Yankees during the MLB CBA negotiations and saying that they manipulate the competitive balance tax and use it as a soft cap, which is the giant argument here. So it's either you have you have one of two things: you have no cap, or there's no there's no penalties, so teams can do whatever they want, or you have a salary floor, so teams are forced to spend X amount. Um, there was talks of having it be at minimum 100 million. Um, it should be at least that. NFL teams have a maximum payroll of I think this year it's like 210 million, which is where. Um, the MLB uh, payroll start before you st- before you begin getting penalized. But the biggest criticism with the Yankees and the problem with Hal Steinbrenner and the problem with whoever's calling the shots in among the ownership group is that the Yankees payroll has largely l- remained stagnant since what, 2005 or something like that. It's like it's yeah. always been in the 207 to 225 million range, which is not cheap. No one is calling the Yankees cheap, but it comes a point where it is greed when there are increasing revenues, um, when you have a chance to fully get over the hump by investing $10 million more, $15 million more, which once again is probably revenue from a couple of marquee night games during the season or one playoff game and in a, in a, in a given series. I don't know the math off the top of my head, but if you're telling me that the difference of you know, going to the World Series is dropping a fraction of your worth to ensure that you at least get that far um, and someone's not willing to do it. That's malpractice from an ownership perspective, in my opinion. Um, I don't understand why that would be holding you back. Um, so the Yankees have theoretically used this as a soft cap. I think Max Scherzer was totally right to call them out on it. They are the richest organization in the sport. They are not leading by example as these teams who should be spending the amount of money and investing more into the game should. The Dodgers are now kind of that uh, the poster boy for going the extra mile, um, paying players who they feel are worth it, uh, paying players who they feel they can um, help them remain a contender and remain in the top echelon of contenders. Um, And the Yankees have, they have done this three out of the last, like I said, three out of the last five years in prime contention windows. So that's when you know that it's reached a point where it is not, oh, this isn't a rant, you know, this isn't like 2015 where you kind of knew the team sucked. Oh, they might make the playoffs cool. They make the one game wild card. They're not good enough to go anywhere. Great. You want to not invest money that season? Okay, I can understand it, but we're talking about 2020, 2021. You have a shortened 60 game season. You know that there's a handful of things you could do to make this team deeper. You don't do it. 2021, you know you have a lot of con, you know you have to bring back guys, but then. Instead of just investing more money in a starting pitcher who'd be reliable, you 
scale back and pay $11 million for Corey Kluber. That's like the best example I can come up with. You know, you have the option to maybe invest $10 million more dollars in a much better starting pitcher. Instead, hey, we'll take the flyer on the guy who's going to cost a little bit, but is going to prevent us from paying a tax. And we'll see how it works out. 16 starts later, you get a no hitter and then no contributions down the stretch. Starting rotation is taxed as a result. Bullpen taxed as a result. You're out in the one game wild card. So you can see how the investments, the short-sighted investments where they're like, okay, great. We're going to save a million here, a million there are actually hurting the team in the long term. They're hurting the free agent market because fewer and fewer teams are in on players that they should theoretically be bidding for. Um, And now you have a situation where the Yankees are being called out on the biggest stage during the CBA negotiations because we shouldn't be having this conversation around a team that's worth $5 billion and is a world-renowned brand um, and recognized sports team on, uh, across the planet. If we're talking about a team like the Royals, okay, great. If we're even even talking about, I don't know, Mariners, sure, fine. But Yankees should be leading by example. They are not, um, and it's a bad look for the sport. And it's there is it, it, it only makes the player's argument even better because if they're not willing to go up a fraction and – they are, and and then they are at some point, and then they're like, no, we'll we'll remain the the we'll remain at that number for the next three years, and then we'll increase it incrementally. It's not the right way to do it. So there needs to be more of a middle ground here. The Yankees are a great example to bring out and call out um, because of how their payrolls have largely remained in the same range for now seventeen years, and they continue to grow as an organization. They continue to grow as a brand. Um, and there's no reason there can't be more resources invested on the on-field product. Also keep in mind, Hal Steinbrenner is one of a few owners who voted earlier this offseason to drop that $210 million current threshold all the way down to $180 million. So awesome. if you think it, if you, you think it acts as a soft cap now, he's trying to cap himself $30 million below the total they're currently at. And that total Great. was so egregious last year that at the deadline, they're adding Anthony Rizzo and they're adding Joey Gallo, but they're saying, we will throw in an extra prospect so that you pay all of the money, not some, every single dollar remaining on yep. their contracts. And we all saw that as it was happening and said, that, oh, my God. Like, So that means they're not going to stop at Gallo and Rizzo. They're, they're trying to get the Rangers and Cubs, two desperate teams, to eat money so that they can make another acquisition and, and have an even more monster deadline. Like Max Scherzer is available. We know that. Like, How far are we going to go here? And it turns out – no, they're just saving money to save money. And they, they traded Luis Sessa. They attached him to Justin Wilson to save more money, money that they never spent. Because all yeah. deadline long, they begged people to continue to spend their money for them. And they just they never even approached that threshold. Uh, it's like they said they'd pass it if they had an opportunity. But then they had every opportunity and bent so far under it. They did, they did a limbo to make sure they never passed the threshold. Um, so say what you want to, it's, it's lip service at this point. We know how Steinbrenner voted to lower the threshold even further. So why would I believe anything he had to say about it? Well, I would have passed it. If, if, if I had the chance, I would have passed it. Well, you had the chance, and you went crazy to not pass it. So uh, we're Team Max Scherzer as always. We don't know what Yankees did to him to get him against them forever and always. He, he would have been a great fit here in 2014. Didn't happen. Would have been a great trade fit last year. Didn't happen. People said he didn't want to come to New York, and he came to New York to sign with the other team. So clearly a, a guy who hates the Yankees, the guy who hates the Yankees for the right reason here. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. 
Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Speaking of hating the Yankees, the Tampa Bay Rays are on the free agent prowl, or at least they were. Uh, John Heyman, I think he listens to the podcast because he's now framing his tweets in a way that we always talk about. Like, these insiders taking, you know, once a week, they're just dropping some piece of knowledge on us to keep us, you know, keep us hungry, have us forget that we're in the middle of a lockout. Because uh, every other piece of news is like, MLB refused to budge on X. Players refused to budge on Y. No progress whatsoever. It's like, all right, tip your cap. Great. We'll see you in, in uh, June. Uh, but Heyman and all these other insiders, like once per week, they drop a little bit of nugget that's actual news. And John Heyman at the end of this tweet tweeted like, baseball news, once a week, we're going to do it or something. And it was like, we've been saying that. But <laughs> Heyman, uh, in his latest missive, by the way, uh, you know, the Dodgers and Freddie Freeman seem to be getting likelier by the day. Max Mundy came out over the weekend and said, I prefer to play second base. Playing with Freddie Freeman would be awesome. Freeman is from California, and so all signs point to it, there was also a rumor that Freeman's desired contract was a short one that was worth a lot of money, which is exactly what the Yankees will not do because they prefer to lengthen it so that the AAV gets smaller. The Dodgers might be doing that. The Yankees will not be doing that. So all signs point to the Dodgers. John Hayden uh, gave us a Freeman update on, on Monday afternoon. It said, A, the Yankees are very interested. Jay's Dodgers also pursuing. So he's ranking the Yankees ahead of them in the hierarchy. Very interesting. Second nugget. The Tampa Bay Rays made an offer before the lockout. Now, how serious was that offer? Probably not very serious. Do you think the Rays went beyond four years? I would say absolutely not. But this encouraged me a little bit because with all, all the talk about how, you know, Freeman would be a nice fit, but why would the Yankees want to commit six years to someone who's eventually going to be 38 years old under the duration of the same contract? Why wouldn't they just give away Oswald Peraza for Matt Olson and call it a day? That's only two years. Olson's in his prime. Freeman is aging out of it. Clear. We don't know how long the Rays' proposed offer was. And based on context clues, it surely wasn't that long. But if the Rays are willing to dip into this pool at all, that is a tacit endorsement that they think Freeman will at least be viable for the length of whatever deal they propose. And if the Rays are serious, it's not a one or two year offer. So it's a three or four year offer probably and that would at least indicate that the Rays believe in Freeman for the next several years and the Yankees and Dodgers and the other teams in the mix would be the ones who are willing to go beyond that and pay for the back end of his deal I don't care if year six is bad I am totally fine with years one through four or so of Freeman and the Rays seem to be too which is a big what's the opposite of a red flag a green light seems like a green light to me yeah this is not going to happen but no. But it's interesting to look at because you have Wander Franco, who's making $1.45 million, $2.45 million, $2.45 million over the next three seasons. His salary escalates to $8.45 million in 2025. So, hey, if you're looking at signing Freddie Freeman to a four-year, $150 million contract, something where he's getting super high AAV, the raised payroll will still be over these next couple of seasons like around 120 million which is still that's nothing if we're talking about the theoretical salary floor of 100 million that that was proposed in the CBAs 
20 more million over, over the, over the payroll. Um, and then you have to take into account that they're trying to trade Kevin Kiermeyer this off season, which is 12, 12.1 million. Um, they've talked about trading Austin Meadows, who is another um, uh, 4.3 million. I mean, you have to imagine in this scenario, um, they would be bringing up cheaper talent to replace those guys. They always have enough. You look ahead to next year, they have over 20 million coming off the books when you combine um, Kiermeyer. If if he's involved, if if he goes to next year, they're not going to pick up his team option, so that frees up. Um, about 10 million itself. And then you have Zanino, 7 million coming off the books, Kluber, 8 million. Um, and then Matt Weisler and Man- Manny Margot combined um, are about 7 million. So you're looking at, yeah, you're looking at money coming off. I'm not, I don't think this is going to happen, but if you're, if you're looking at a situation where, you know, we're, we're sitting here, we're calling teams like the Orioles and, and the guardians egregious because they have just over 40 million um, committed to their payroll. When you uh, include Guaranteed contracts, arbitration payments, and contract options. The Rays this year have 80 million. Next year, that escalates to 89 million. The year after that, it's 105 million. So, if you're giving Freeman 35 a year, it's really not doing. And and you think you're going to remain, you know, top of the AL East? You're still going to be selling playoff tickets. You're still going to be at the forefront of the conversation because of what you've been able to accomplish over the last few years. It's really not that out of the question. A smart team would do it. You know, this is where this is where the Dodgers come in. You're combining your wits and your your ability to find cost-effective and cheaper talent and then combine it with opportunities where you're going to actually use your spending power. The Rays have a very small window to use this spending power before Wander Franco's contract begins to escalate and become somewhat prohibitive if you're talking, you know, later down the road, but even in 2027 like a 20 2 million AAV for him is going to be nothing. Um, Freeman, it doesn't surprise me that they would be interested in Freeman based on what this layout is. Um, and if they could steal him from the Yankees, the, 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 Rays, uh, the Rays are the antithesis of the Yankees. So any opportunity that they see where they can directly hurt them and it would be their gain, it's classic. It's, it's run of the mill. They're going to do it with Kluber this year. They've done it with pitchers in the past. Michael Waka dominated us for a year. Um, they, they figure out a way to do it, um, and if they can, if they can out Yankees the Yankees in free agency, that would be that would be the last draw for me. Last draw. If the Rays start thinking the way the Yankees should, though, like if the yeah. Rays start signing Freddie Freeman, I don't know what the Yankees brain trust does that like bends them over backwards into a pretzel because they've been trying to emulate the Rays and live low budget and like steal bullpen acquisition. And if the Rays all of a sudden are like, no, we're going to sign Freddie Freeman, actually, because there's an all-star on the market and we just want one of those, then the Yankees are going to be like, but I thought it was cost-efficient to, uh, it's like robots' heads exploding. Like, they'll have no <laughs> idea. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what we need, though. Maybe, honestly, maybe we need the Rays to get a chase for the Yankees to be like, oh, my God. So I, and now it all makes sense. Smart teams on low budgets are taking advantage of their flexibility by signing high-priced free agents. Oh, no. <laughs> I guess we should take advantage of that market inefficiency and sign good players. I also don't know the Yan- I don't know why the Yankees don't act like the Dodgers. I, I just don't know why they they look at the two teams that are analytically driven and are like, let's be the cheaper one. Well, I actually do know exactly why they're doing that because Hal Steinbrenner tried to vote down the soft salary cap to one hundred eight million dollars. So you know what? I actually know exactly why they're not doing that. But you know what? It would be helpful if the Rays acted like the Yankees one time and the Yankees were like, uh oh, even the Rays are doing it now. 
it's time to be the Yankees of old. <laughs> the Rays training for Nelson Cruz last year was like, wait, what? Like, you're willing to do that? You're willing to give away a pitching prospect? Obviously, you and They have. took on his salary. The Yankees wouldn't yeah. have done that. No. You have both of those guys, and all of a sudden, you're like, this is the best Rays team in history. So we're going to sign a 40-year-old 40-homer slugger for the stretch run. And it didn't work. He was weirdly bad. But it's a bold move that the Yankees, you're right, would not have made. And the Rays decided to. So when the Rays have lapped you in spending prowess, that now it's time for you to reevaluate your decisions. I don't think the Rays are going to sign Freddie Freeman. I think the Jays might. I think the Dodgers probably will. But the Yankees are very interested in the Rays are also somewhat involved in the process. Now we're going to wrap today by talking about Bleach Report. Okay. Um, both of us are leaving to work there. No, that's not why we're talking about it. <laughs> Report uh, is just speculating wildly, endlessly, like the rest of us during the lockout. So they put out a list uh, of trades that are going to come back to haunt the teams that made them this season. Uh, and for some, it's a short list. It's not that long a list, but for some reason, he's are on it twice. And usually we would be right on like, oh, somebody wants to hate the Yankees maneuvers and acquisitions. Great. We'll line up and do it along with you. But in this instance, it feels like we are prejudging some nonsense. And we're also making judgments. So both trades, it's it's the James and Tyone deal and the Joey Gallo deal, right? Yeah. Yankees sent four prospects to Texas for Joey Gallo. We know how bad Joey Gallo was last year. You do not have to read his stats back to us. Best case scenario, this just, every time you talk about Joey Gallo, you got to say, best case scenario version of Joey Gallo might look weird to, to, to non-sad heads, but trust us, he's an effective player. Even if he's hitting 212 with 40 homers, there's a way for that to be a valuable season. Even if it looks gross, it looks gross to us too, but trust us when we say he's valuable. But last year, he wasn't doing that. He was way worse. Understood. Point blank. There's no world in which the Yankees hold on to the people they traded for Joey Gallo. No world at all where that happens. So with even a shot at a bounce back this year, I don't know how you're going to attack the Joey Gallo trade, even if the Rangers spin the Yankees' excess 40-man protection dudes into gold. And the Tyone thing, he was good last year. And, and the whole point is that Rowan C. Contreras might also be good at some juncture. That That's how trades work. Thomas, yeah. talk us through why these uh, made you so angry. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think the lack of context here for what the Yankees were trying to do is is the big problem. Because sure, I mean, any trade can come back to haunt you. You make trades for different reasons. You make trades to get better in the short term and you sacrifice the long term. Or you think guys in the short term are just not the correct fit. You make the swap. Some guy ends up playing better elsewhere. Maybe the end, maybe the end of, your, of your deal ends up working out okay. But like for, to say that, no one was expecting Ronzi Contreras to ascend in the manner in which he did. Um, and even if he did do that last year with the Yankees, he wouldn't have been as much of a contributor as the Yankees would have needed from him. They didn't have any prospects who were ready to make that leap. Clark Schmidt was the only one. He got hurt. Uh, Davey Garcia was the other. He just couldn't impress or do any much of anything in AAA in spring training. So, Ronzi Contreras didn't end up contributing to the Pirates until late in the year. I, I think it was. He made a few starts, and that was it. Um, and uh, the Yankees needed innings from Tyone, who threw 144 innings. He had a 4.30 ERA, which is not great, um, but it's also totally okay. It's it's what you want 
from a back end starter who's eating innings and getting some strikeouts for you and um, initiating ground balls. Um, and then you look at the other guys in this Pirates deal. It's Miguel Yahore, who had an 8.40 ERA in four games with Pittsburgh, spent most of the year in the minors. Um, Kanan Smith uh, in Jigba, uh, who just clearly did not have any role on the roster because of the Yankees outfield depth. He, and even the outfielders ranked above him in the farm system. Um, and then you have Michael Escoto, who pro- could be a good shortstop prospect, but the Yankees have 12 of them. So this is where you deal from a place of surplus. Um, I would criticize the Tyone trade for various other reasons than who they gave up. I would criticize it because they got an injured starter coming off a second Tommy John who had only pitched a handful of innings over the last two years. Like that's the criticism of it. I don't think the Yankees are going to be haunted by this deal as soon as 2022. Um, and even if they are, it the, the, the plan with Ronzi Contreras was never that plan. Oh, let's have him contribute in 2021 and then be really good in 2022. This was an unexpected ascension from him, which is great for the Pirates. Maybe it works out for them. That's awesome. But the Yankees could have never seen this coming, and it's not like they parted with an asset that they knew was going to escalate and 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 progress that quickly. Um, and then you talk about the Gallo deal. For the Tyone deal, here's here's the end of the story. The Yankees needed major league pitching help. Um, they wanted they wanted two controllable years at a cost effective rate. They ended up getting it with Tyone. They were really paying for 2022 because you know the first year after any Tommy John surgery is not going to be what you expect it to be. Um, and you're not going to get the longevity that you need. 2022 will probably determine that. Um, and then you look at the Gallo trade. All of those guys in that deal were, like you said, for uh, Rule 5 players who had to be off the roster before the Yankees knew that they actually didn't have to be off the roster uh, because Major League Baseball planned that very responsibly. Um, mm-hmm. And the guys that they got rid of in that one, um, Glenn Otto, who made his Major League debut with the Rangers, um, Ezekiel Duran, Trevor Hover, and Josh Smith all had guys in the Yankees farm system outranking them. Mo- most of them did. Um, and additionally, I think Otto was the only one who would have made sense to contribute at the MLB level as early as last year. And I don't know if he would have been of great use to them because um, of his lack of experience. I don't think the Yankees – sub Luis Heel for Glenn Otto, and I think – you you see the results there. Luis Heel stepped in instead, had historic six run uh, six start stretch with the Yankees. So I don't th- know how that's bad. And then you look at the rest of the Yankee system. You have guys like um, uh, Lu- Heel, Luis Medina, Yoandres Gomez, Ken Waldachuk, Hayden Wasniewski, all outranking Glenn Otto in some capacity. Then you have Everson Pereira um, outranking. Uh, oh no, Duran is the versatile infielder, right? So yeah. we would, yeah. So we would technically have Oswaldo Cabrera outranking him, um, and then among all the other infield prospects, um, uh, Oswald Peraza, Anthony Volpe, Trey Sweeney, um, uh, and um, what's his name? Who did we just sign? Broderick Arias. Yes. All those guys outranked them. So it's like, yes, you gave up talent. No, you did not give up any intrinsic talent to the to the success of your team. Um, And this is what trades are. Trades are the give and take. I don't think anything on the Yankees end was egregious here. I would criticize the, the players that they acquired because I don't think they needed another redundant player like Gallo. And I think they needed more of um, an insurance arm in the back end of the rotation that would have been more reliable than Tyone. But I think both of these deals were playing into what 2022 is going to bring. 
because now they have, I think Tyone's making what, 4 million this year. Gallo's making 10. Um, so you got two very good major league players, a combined AAV of 7 million. I think that's a pretty good deal. I think that's what the Yankees were looking for. And none of these other minor leaguers were going to contribute at the MLB level within the next two or three years. Maybe Contreras as the only exception because of the log jam everywhere else. So I don't see these trades biting the Yankees. The only way it could bite the Yankees, which I said before, is if Contreras turns into a rookie of the year candidate and is a mid-rotation starter um, and both Gallo and Tyone Crater. That, that's the only way because nobody else here was part of the plans and it was excess talent. And that's where you have to make do and improve your roster in other ways. Yeah. Good for Duran. Good for Josh Smith for being top right. 10 Rangers prospects. That, that's good for them, but they, they had absolutely no role on the, something went really off filter if the Yankees were relying on, on Josh Smith uh, yes. for major, you know, contributions in, in 2022 and to, you know, Contreras, Again, you have to give to get. The Yankees never give, and sometimes they get. But we complain about Brian Cashman passing up on trade after trade because he doesn't want to lose them. And now that he might lose one because he sent a lottery ticket arm to the Pirates and got basically exactly what he wanted in exchange. He didn't know Tyone was going to hurt his ankle at the end of 2021, but he was the August pitcher of the month after struggling through the start of the season. And he started the Yankees' most important game of the season, game 162 against the Rays, on a bum ankle, and they won that game one nothing. So Tyone already delivered genuine major league innings for a team that he thought was going to be in contention, was in wildcard contention, and needed that last start from Tyone and all the work he did in August to edge into the wildcard game, which they tied for the Red Sox for the top wildcard. So yeah. Tyone was supposed to deliver in 2022. He was pretty good for large stretches of 2021. Joey Gallo wasn't good, but the Yankees, again, gave up depth pieces from the middle part of their highly ranked prospect list in order to get Joey Gallo, an all-star who hits 45 to 50 home runs per year and plays gold glove defense. He wasn't good in August. He wasn't good in September. That has very little impact on whether or not this trade was a win because if Ryan Cashman is ever going to learn to make deals again in a landscape where there's always a Yankees tax, he's going to have to give somebody like Rowanzi Contreras who might be a breakout candidate a few months later. He's going to have to give people who are going to go from the middle portions of the Yankees prospect list right to the top of the Rangers list. And again, good, good luck to Ezekiel Durant. Good luck to Josh Smith. I always like Josh Smith personally, yeah. and I think he does have a future in the bigs. But Joey Gallo was an all-star. The New York Yankees had to outbid other teams. They did. They've got a full year of him whenever this year begins. He's a, a good fit uh, in theory and practice. I'm not positive, but I don't think the Yankees are going to rue the day they gave up the player they did for Joey Gallo's services. Unless, like you said, he is abysmal this year which is not something that you can really factor into the trade discussion of any kind. Yeah, um, not that, relevant. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, it's not um, relevant. If, if somebody absolutely falls on their face, then oops. But the process was fine here. Yeah, and Contreras, like, okay, great. You think he's going to be really good? That, that's awesome. Um, he missed all of 2020. So you have to remember that a developing pitcher missing all of 2020. Um, and I think he had a shoulder or forearm injury this year that kept him out of action mm -hmm. for a little while. Um, so he only ended up, he did great guys. He, he had a, he had a great year for all the metrics, you know, 13 starts, 2.64 ERA, 82 Ks in 58 innings, a 0.93 whip. That's awesome. But 58 innings in two years, I don't know how he's going to haunt the Yankees immediately in 2022. I wouldn't, would you estimate the pirates would let him go? Well over a hundo? I don't think so. 
I think they keep him probably in the 100 range, and most of that work is not going to come at the MLB level. He made one start with the Pirates, um, and he only made a handful at um, – oh, he only made one at AAA before making his debut. Five in the Arizona Fall League this year, so – um, it really, it's, it's not enough to justify him being able to be that type of a force in 2022 based on his injury that happened this past year and just the general workload he's had. So I just think, I just think this missed the mark because the context was lost. Agreed. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, drop us those five-star reviews, drop us those mailbag questions, be like Chef Josh. Give us your word, even if it's Stephen Brault. Just, just let us know. We'll, we'll talk about Stephen Brault. Uh, Duke sucks. Uh, you all spent $8,000 to attend Coach K's final home game. Jerry Seinfeld was there. You all look like dipshits. Uh, that's an extremely embarrassing thing for you to do, and the players don't care about it as much as you do. They didn't even try. Uh, and then Coach K still gave a speech after. I, I said I'd be good. Right? We talked about the Yankees for 40 minutes before I talked about this. I just think it's important. So maybe in honor of Coach K, I'll end this podcast in a couple minutes. And then I'll just keep going. I'll, I'll do a private speech in this room after I've already taken the most public L in the history of my entire life. I'll just give it a speech about how my life is wonderful. And, and thanks for the great honor. Um, raise, the, raise the banner to the rafters. Really, 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 really embarrassing. Uh, all Duke alums should be embarrassed that they attended that university. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante. Where can the Duke fans find you? At Tommy's underscore takes, baby. Um, I hope you're not alienating the Yankees Duke fans because you know. Yankees, I hope I am. I Yankees, honestly hope I am. Yankees, I, I, you can get off. You can get off the podcast. <laughs> Yankees Duke Cowboys Lakers. You know how it is. Um, we. Uh, you can also find us though. By the way, fun written content. Yanksgoyard.com. Talk to us on the official Yanksgoyard Twitter account at Yanksgoyardfs. Um, next time we'll be talking to you folks. A couple days. So enjoy the rest of your week. Keep the good vibes out there for uh, these negotiations, which are just absolutely abysmal. And you don't even want to wait for the updates. You just want to see the piece of paper signed and baseball starting in three weeks. But um, they'll be meeting I've been meeting again today. I don't know what they're going to meet about. I don't know what they're going to talk about. But moving in the opposite direction when, in a time where they cannot be doing that, um, we're going to sell the Yankees content for you. So that's all you need to know, and that's all you need to look forward to. So until then, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, we'll see you here. Yes, we will. Yeah, Duke sucks. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. The average garage door is made up of 1.3-millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know. Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know. A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.